0: Hello and welcome to episode 107 of the Observer's Notebook, the official podcast of the Association of Lunar and Planetary Observers. I'm Tim Robertson, the host of the Observer's Notebook and also the coordinator of the training program within the ALPO. Thank you for downloading and listening. The Association of Lunar and Planetary Observers collects and analyzes observations of various solar system bodies and associated phenomenon, and publishes detailed reports concerning these bodies in its quarterly publication, The Journal of the Association of Lunar and Planetary Observers. This podcast depends upon donations from you, our listeners, to keep it alive. If you enjoy what you hear on the podcast, you can donate to it via Patreon. You can give as little as $1 a month. If you feel even more generous, for five dollars you receive early access to the podcast before it goes public. For a monthly donation of ten dollars, you receive a copy of the Novice Observer's Handbook, and for thirty-five dollars a month, you receive producer credits and one year's membership to the po- to the ALPO. You can help us out by going to www.patreon That is p a t r e o n. dot com slash observers notebook, and if you'd like to join the ALPO. You can for as little as $18 a year. You can find out more at www.alpo-astronomy.org. And you can also find the ALPO on Facebook. Just search for ALPO Astronomy. And yes, the Observer's Notebook also has a Facebook page as well. Just search for Observer's Notebook. And if you enjoy what you hear on the podcast, please subscribe. That way you'll never miss another episode of the podcast. And now, episode 107. We're talking meteors with Bob Lunsford. Hope you enjoy. All right. I'd like to welcome everybody back to this edition of the Observer's Notebook Podcast. And again, we're talking meteors and meteor showers. And that must mean we've got Bob Lunsford with us. How you doing, Bob? Hey, just fine. Good to be here. Yeah, now, we are recording this on December 2nd,
1: and apparently you had a pretty busy day today. Yeah, we had what's called a daylight fireball. Uh, Believe it or not, fireballs can be seen in the daytime. Uh, They can be as as bright or brighter than the moon, so if you can see the moon in the daytime, you can see a fireball. So this just happened to occur over central New York. The only problem was it was cloudy over in New York. Oh. <laughs> now, the, the media in New York got all these calls about a sonic boom rattling in their houses and causing all kinds of mayhem. So uh, one of the reporters who I worked for rep- uh, before the New York Times gave me a call about a half hour after it happened and said, hey, have you guys got any uh, reports? And I says, I don't know. I haven't even checked yet. No. <laughs> so uh, I put down my shovel and ran in the house. <laughs> <laughs> and sure enough, there were 20 reports of this of this, uh, of this uh, daylight fireball. Wow. Now, so, where was it visible from? It was visible from a good chunk uh, cent- uh, centered on New York. Um, there, there's a map on the AMS website. That uh, anyone can go to, it's uh, www.amsmeteors.org, and just go to the Fireballs Fireball uh, Logs, and then go to the ones for 2020, and you'll see one report there toward the top of uh, Fireball reports from New York and Ontario, Canada, Michigan, and oh, all the way th- all the way down to Virginia, Maryland. Uh, That's the one you want to click on. It has over 100 reports on it now. And if you look at that, uh, you will see that uh, there were clear skies to the west of the path of the fireball, such as uh, Ontario, Canada, and as far west as Detroit. And it was also clear down toward the Pennsylvania-Maryland border. So we have, uh, I think it was about 10 reports from down that way, all the way down to Richmond, Virginia. Wow, that's quite a large area to observe this, isn't it? Well, that's that's fairly common because these no. these these meteors appear uh while still 50 miles up in the atmosphere. Okay. So, uh it, it could be seen probably 500 miles on each side of of the of the track. So, that's not uncommon, but the folks that were right under it didn't see a thing, they heard it. <laughs> oh my so what you got is a bunch of reports to the media of of sound, and all almost all of mine were visual reports. Now, now, why did the Times contact you? Well, like I said, they have uh, they've uh, they've uh, encountered me before for okay. fireballs. Um, you know, it's it's just uh, something that I guess I'm, I'm a. I'm a they're we uh, call it the uh, hot hotline <laughs> for, <laughs> for for things like that. Okay. So uh, it's uh, you know something that we've uh, we've done before and uh, you know they don't have to wait they know I'm at the other end of the phone so that's and fantastic. And, and, and you know what I I don't mind it uh, it's it's good you know good to get science out there for everybody. Now have you received and, any images of it yet? Uh you know what. No, and I, some guy sent me a video, and I couldn't see a thing. Oh. So uh, I put it up there anyway, but <laughs> I, I, I couldn't see anything. So really nothing so far. But um, uh, there is a satellite, uh, a weather satellite, that uh, apparently imaged it. And, uh, and you can actually see two bursts uh, of, the, of the still photograph and, uh, it just happened to be just, uh, west of Syracuse, New York. Oh, wow. So if any, uh, meteorites reach the ground, that's the place to look. Oh my goodness. Because when you can hear a meteor, there's a chance that it left debris on the ground because only meteors that reach the lower atmosphere, you know, where the, uh, where the air is denser and can carry sound waves, um it indicates that uh, it may have survived its trip all the way down. Now, how often are one of these observed? Daylight fireballs are not observed very often. Uh, you know, I probably get less than a dozen. It's not not even a dozen a year, probably half a dozen a year. Okay. So it's pretty darn rare. Like I said, you got to be under clear skies right. during the day and not be looking right at the sun. So, You know, it has to occur on the basically opposite end of the sky, so it takes a lot of a lot of favorable variables to to see something like that.
0: Oh, that's great! But you've already received a handful of reports on it too, so that's interesting.
1: Yeah, yeah. So it's been an interesting day, (laughs) and and we got more coming up. (laughs) Yeah, and we're gonna. Well, before we start
0: talking about the upcoming meteor shower, we recently had the Orionids, and how was that shower?
1: That shower was. Good, but you know what? I really appreciate the idea that you have to go to dark skies to see these at their best. Because I drove about 20 miles east of my home, up to the mountains, Mm -hmm. about 3,000 feet further up than where I am now. Oh, my. And I would say three-quarters of the meteors were of magnitude four and five. If you don't know what that means, they are very faint. Mm -hmm. So... If I had been at home, I would only have seen a quarter of the meteor activity that I did see. Yeah, I walked outside a couple
0: mornings around those dates, and it was cloudy and overcast where I live. And I'm like, "Ah, I'm not
1: going to take a chance driving somewhere and get clouded out. Still, right? Uh, I lucked out on the night of uh, maximum, but the the nights directly after that, they were clouded out. So, uh, you down here, we uh, we lucked out. It was a good show if you had dark skies. But um gosh, I was really surprised at all these faint meteors. Hmm. And then that was unusual for the Iranids? No, actually that's the norm. <laughs> okay. All right. But I I I just uh, uh you know I was just really, really taken back by how many because normally you get a few good bright ones in there, which there were, but but still the, the, the vast amount of faint meteors. Wow, it was just crazy. Now we have a meteor shower starting this week. The Geminides. Right. It's out active right now, but there's only the rates are only one an hour, or maybe even less. And that will ramp up as we approach the date of maximum activity, which is December 13, 14. I believe that's a Sunday night, Monday morning. Okay. Now, if your skies appear to be cloudy on the night of maximum, this shower is still worth watching over the weekend. So Friday night or into Saturday morning or Saturday night into Sunday morning. Definitely worth uh, trying to watch, watch these meteors. Okay. And what, what time of the night and where, where, whereabouts should we be looking? Unlike most meteor showers, this one is visible all night long. Ah. Hallelujah. Yes. You, <laughs> don't, you, don't do <laughs> you know, the best isn't at five in the morning. The, the best time is at one o'clock, to two o'clock. And the reason for that, the radiant, the area of the sky where these immediates appear to shoot from is in the constellation of Gemini, mm-hmm. very close to the bright star Castor. Okay. Now at sundown, Castor lies right on the eastern horizon. So half of the meteors are shooting under the horizon and the other half up. So you won't see that many. But the ones you do see are very nice because they're called earth grazers. Oh. At, that, at that angle, they just skim the upper portions of the atmosphere. So those meteors at dusk will be very long because it takes longer to, to burn up in the upper atmosphere. And very long and... And... Uh, they, oh, the oh, the, oh, the duration. The duration is also your normal geminate is maybe half a second. These are two to three, to maybe even five seconds. Oh my goodness! Because because they did just last that that much longer in the upper atmosphere. Okay. Now the bad thing about it is is they tend to appear low in the south or low in the north. That's just because there's so much atmosphere down closer to the horizon. Um, planetary astronomers know all about this. You look low on the horizon, you're looking through a lot more air, right, right. and you're seeing stinks. <laughs> yeah, that's true. If you look up, you're looking through a much thinner slice of atmosphere. And that's the reason you're not going to see many of these shooting straight up okay. be- because of the, of, the, of the angle takes it through less atmosphere. So that's one good thing about observing early. Nice meteors, but not that many of them. (laughs) Now, as the night progresses, the radiant Gemini will rise higher in the eastern sky, and the meteors will start penetrating deeper into the atmosphere. So they won't last as long, and they'll be shorter. So a very, very good time to start is 10 p.m., uh, and it doesn't matter what time zone you're in. Okay. 10, 10 p.m. is when the radiant uh, is approximately halfway up in the east. You can see them shooting in all directions. And if you have a large tree to your east, you can look in another direction, and you can tell because all the Geminids will come from the same direction. So they pretty much cover the entire sky. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. They, they, can, they can shoot any part of the sky, but they all will trace back to that bright star in, uh, in Gemini. Okay. Now going back to the best time to see them, it's the radiant is highest in the sky between one and two. And for those that live at latitude 32 North, it's directly overhead. So it'll be just like someone pouring water over you. They'll (laughs) go everywhere (laughs) coming straight down, going in every direction. What kind of hourly rates are we looking at? It all depends on your sky conditions. Okay. Uh, If you're in the city and you have a lot of bright lights, you can probably count on 15 to 20 per hour at best. Now, this is on the night of maximum activity. Right. Uh, As you move into the suburbs, it gets a little bit better, maybe 25 an hour. Uh, Rural areas, you can probably see 60 an hour. If you get the really dark skies, you can probably approach 100 an hour at that hour between 1 and 2 a.m. Okay. After that, the radiance sinks into the western sky and rates will slowly decrease. But you can see these all the way up to dawn.
0: Oh, my. Okay.
1: So, So it sounds like this could
0: be a good opportunity to really see some nice meteors.
1: A very good opportunity because the moon is new mm-hmm. on the 14th, so that coincides with the maximum uh, of the, the, the Geminid meteor shower. Now, uh, that seems to happen about every third year, so next year it's gonna peak four days before full. So you get a real, real small chance to to see it like between four and six o'clock in the morning.
0: Uh, So probably won't be talking much about it next year. (laughs) No, probably not. (laughs) Now, most meteor showers are associated with a comet. Is that true with Geminids?
1: No. Well, it all depends. It's associated with an asteroid named Phaethon. Okay. Which could be a, uh, extinct comet. Hmm. They've they've observed this object, and most of the time it looks just like an asteroid. When it's at perihelion and closest to the sun, it has sported a little tail. Oh, so <laughs> we're we're looking at a semi-comet, a semi-asteroid, but it's the, was the first one to be associated uh, with with a, being a possible asteroid. Okay. So and this. This asteroid has the shortest known uh, orbit, so it's laid down a ton of debris in all parts. That's why the Geminers are good year after year after year. Okay. And the the, the meteors we see now are the outliers of of uh, the uh, the debris from Phaethon as we get closer to December 14th, we'll approach the core uh, orbit of, of the asteroid. And on the night of 13, 14, we pass through that core. And that's why hmm. the uh, the uh, activity is so good. The night after is really strange because the the activity falls like a rock after maximum. Uh, it's a good 50% less on the 14th, 15th, and another Fifty percent less the following night. Now, is there so, a reason for that? Uh, it's it just seems that the uh, density of this shower is is favorable prior to maximum them, then after. Okay. So most of them are pretty symmetrical, you know, the the, the nice bell shaped curves, right, right. But but this one falls like a rock <laughs> okay. afterwards. And there's been all kinds of studies, and they they say it should switch. It should ramp up real quick soon, and then fall later. But they've been totally wrong about that shower. <laughs> they said it was going to be be pooping out by the year 2000, and it's only gotten stronger. Oh wow! So, uh, we should mention that this is a good opportunity to photograph meteors. Huh? Now, what meteors would look like on on a uh, picture frame? You'll have stars that trail through your your uh, your frame, and a meter will be a solid streak that goes through. So all it takes is a uh, single lens reflex camera, and uh, most of those can only take uh, exposures of thirty seconds. So what you want to buy is uh, called a. Uh, I can't even pronounce it in interval oh meter in uh, invalometer <laughs> in, uh, in I guess it does. anyway when i was doing photography it's called a cable release got it <laughs> before got things it. got electrical yeah i got it <laughs> so you can do it automatically you can set that thing up to uh for new exposures every 5 minutes without having to do a, a thing to your uh, as long as your battery does not run out on your camera there you go well that's a real nice thing to set up uh, I would aim your camera no higher than halfway up because, like we said again, the atmosphere is thicker toward the horizon. So if you aim toward the lower part of the sky, you will get more meteors in your field of view. In fact, that's, you, you should be looking no higher than halfway up, too. Okay. You'll see, and, you'll see much more meteor activity. And as you
0: mentioned, this meteor shower, they're going to be all over the sky
1: all over the sky so. and they will be brighter than the Orion I guarantee you. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, In fact, you may have a few fireballs. Geminid cool. fireballs are known for their beautiful colors, especially green. You'll love it. If the brightest ones are bright, emerald green, and it'll just, it'll just really surprise you. Now, little, since
0: the meteor showers already started,
1: could this fireball you, you mentioned earlier, they be a part of the Geminids. Uh, from what I've seen, no, because the, the direction is wrong ah. and the velocity is, is too slow. Okay. Uh, th- there have been some calculations already that this was only in the range from 10 to 12 kilometers a second, and the Geminids travel at 32. Okay. So the Gemin- Geminids would be a little bit faster than that. So, uh, yeah, that was a thought also, but no, nah, it uh, it's most likely just a random occurrence. Okay. And uh, following the Geminids, what else do we have happening? Well, we have the Ursids, which is uh, a peaks on the night of December 21st, 22nd. Now, the Ursids are, are they're kind of a minor slash major shower. It mm-hmm. all depends. Uh, there's there's debate on, on what uh, what bracket they belong. Um this year could be a surprise, though. It's been predicted that the Earth could pass through some debris shed by Comet Tuttle. Mm. And these were, wow, these were way back uh, in a year, I believe it was 800. Right. <laughs> so we're, we're, we're tracing that orbit way back. So these predictions are a bit iffy, and I wouldn't be surprised if nothing happens. But I would hate to be inside under <laughs> and it be clear outside and all of a sudden you have an outburst. Right. Uh, that's unforgivable for meteor watchers. <laughs> so what are the dates of the Ursids? Okay. Uh unlike the geminids, they're only really worth watching on the night of maximum activity. Okay. So the uh the the uh, trails are Going to be actually being passed through almost most of the night uh, of the twenty-first slash twenty-second. The main peak is is uh, predicted to occur at ten ten Pacific time on Monday, December twenty-first, which is Tuesday morning one ten, and uh, that. The uh, the radiant lies in near the bowl of the, of the Little Dipper. Oh, okay. So the timing is not that good because it's it'll it'll lie roughly to the lower right of, of the Pole Star, so it won't be that high in the sky. And one other factor is we have a first quarter moon mm. that'll be be setting around midnight. That so crescent moon. It, it, well, yeah, it won't be a killer like a full moon. Right. But uh, it'll be a little a little bit of a pain. But luckily, it'll be 90 degrees to the left, so mm-hmm. we we could kind of ignore it. But like the Orionids, if you want to get serious about seeing these, you should travel to dark skies. Okay. So there have been predictions of a ZHR of 400 for this Outburst at uh, ten ten p.m. slash one ten Eastern time.
0: And what is ZHR?
1: Four hundred per hour. what does ZHR mean? Oh, zenith hourly I'm sorry. Okay, all right. That that's viewing under perfect conditions if the radiant was directly overhead. Okay. Now now that's not going to happen because radiant is over only only overhead at polar latitudes. Right. So that's not going to happen here, and having a limiting magnitude of 6.5 is only obtainable in very dark areas. So your ZHR is always going to be less when they say 400, you know, I'll knock it down by 75%. And even that is, you know, highly inflated, I believe. So, you know, I'll be, I'll be happy just to see a handful, Okay, (laughs) but, uh, you, you never know what's going to happen. Uh, if, if your sky is clear on that Monday evening, give it a shot. Stay out half hour, uh, an hour, you know, make the best of it. And if you don't see anything by an hour later, well, you gave it a try. And we appreciate that. And if you could drop drop me a note and uh, you even saw nothing, that, that would be great. Okay. Any, any reports, a good report. Any report's a good report, you know. I I got to thinking why it's so hard to get people to to uh, go out and and actually observe a meteor shower and then report on it, because it's kind of like asking someone to go out and watch a fireworks fireworks display and then categorize each firework, <laughs> <laughs> and nobody wants to do that. <laughs> they want to sit back and say, "Ooh, ah, that's true," and, and just just love the colors. And you do that
0: with meteor showers, too. And
1: and almost everybody does that with meteor showers. Same thing. But, you know, there's some real science that can be achieved by providing an hourly count. And if you could provide us with Geminids or Ursids versus non-Ursids, and if you could learn the brightness scale uh, from zero being very bright to to six being barely uh, visible, you know, that would help us a lot.
0: Well, and that's the thing about the Association of Lunar and Planetary Observers, too. We do science. Correct. All of our sections are geared towards science. And this is a contribution to science that someone can make that's listening to this podcast right now without any telescope. And like I say, sitting back in your lounge chair at a dark site with a cup of hot cocoa and a pad of paper and a pencil, just jotting down what you see and when you see it.
1: Most definitely,
0: you know, and, th- and that's, that's the thing. If, 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 if you, if you're listening to the podcast and you haven't watched a meteor shower, I really recommend you try the Geminids or or the Uricids because these are going to be nice. Yes. It's the winter months. Yes. It's going to be cold. We'll dress accordingly, you know, and uh, I challenge everybody, that, like I did with the Orionids, get out there and observe. If you, uh, if you, just make an observation and send it to Bob. Just write that you are doing this because of what you heard on the podcast. That would be great. We'd really appreciate that. Yeah, we want to know. We want to know how many people are actually listening <laughs> and, and doing these observations. So it would really be helpful to. And plus, I mean, if you submit your observations to 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 Bob, you write. Monthly, you write reports on all the meteor showers for the journal, don't you? Most most definitely. Yes. And your your name will be forever printed in the Journal of the Association of Lunar and Planetary Observers as a meteor observer. Very high esteem. Let me, let me tell you. <laughs> you can take that and get a cup of coffee at uh, Starbucks. I'm sure. There you go. Hey,
1: but before we close, I'd like to give a uh, quick uh, preview of uh, 2021 okay. uh, meteor showers. Uh, Let's start off with the Quadrantids, which peak on the morning of January uh, 3rd. Last year, it was supposed to happen over the good old USA, and it happened six hours early. Mm. So Europe got two years in a row where they had super nice display of Quadrantids, and we got nothing. (laughs) Well, we have listeners in Europe, so. Yeah, well, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but 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 this time it's supposed to peak uh actually f- good for uh Alaska <laughs> oh. and, and Hawaii and points uh, west okay if if it if it occurs at the uh predicted time now if it's 6 hours late western USA is going to be in a perfect position but the only problem is we have a no. waning gibbous moon uh-huh. And that's a big bugaboo. Yep. So last year there was no moon, and we were we were really in the driver's seat, and boy was it a disappointment. Mm. <laughs> so anyway, those quadrants don't look like they're going to be too good next year, but uh, you never know. Okay. If you, if you see it at maximum, even with a bright moon, you could easily see thirty to forty meteors an hour, but. If it occurs as predicted, uh, you're not going to see much at all. Now, the April Lyrids and the uh, Ada Aquarius are both a little bit affected by the moon. April Lyrids will occur on the night of uh, April 21st slash 22nd, and they will peak about four days before the uh, full moon like the Gemini will. So one good thing about that is the lyrid uh, radiant lies overhead right before dawn so when the moon sets at probably three o'clock in the morning you'll be able to see the the meteors at their best so that's worth a shot on that one morning and the eight aquarius, which is the best shower visible from the southern hemisphere they will have let me look here last quarter is may 3rd they'll have a, wa- a waning crescent moon <laughs> so that won't be a killer. It, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of a pain, but if you just look, look away from the moon, mm-hmm. you'll still see some good activity. And even for folks in the northern hemisphere, uh, they're really fast meteors, almost hit the earth head on, and uh, can be seen far from the radiant. So, you know, the, I, I got a feeling the, the radiant and the moon are going to be pretty close together. So, just crank yourself a little bit toward the south, keep that mm-hmm. moon out of your field of view, and you'll see these meteors shooting through Sagittarius and Scorpius that time of year. There you go. The uh, South Delta Aquarius, the next major shower. It peaks on July 30th with the last quarter moon. Again, not not a total killer, but uh, could be a lot better. The Perseids, the big one of the summer, peak on the uh, August 12th, four days after a new moon, so conditions oh. are, are perfect for the Perseids. The moon will set uh, 10 o'clock in the evening, and you'll have good, good dark skies the rest of the night. Great. The Orionids peak with a full moon in the sky, so we won't be seeing sure. any Orionids next year. Same thing for the Leonids. Uh, they peak one day uh, before a, manu- a full moon, so... They're they might pretty much write those off. The geminids peak four days before full moon, so Mm -hmm. like I said before, there's a chance to see a little activity during the last two hours before dawn. And lastly, the ursids will have a waning uh, gibbous moon, so they will be pretty much shot. Okay, so it's pretty much a toss up next year. Uh, not fantastic, but. There's a lot of good uh, displays yeah. out there, especially Perseids the first time. Percy, it sound like the one you should circle your calendar for. And I'm August, sure we'll, August 11 12. And I'm sure we'll get
0: together and chat about that before to remind most everybody. Most definitely. To get
1: the, great. Most definitely. All righty. Well, Bob, this is fun. Can you let everybody know how they can get a hold of you? Here, my uh, email address is lunro.imo.usa. Dot dot at cox.net, that's C-O-X dot N-E-T. And we look forward to hearing from you. Questions, comments, and data are most welcome. That's true. I will have
0: and your your contact information and any information on these meteor showers in the show notes
1: that you can see underneath this podcast. Right, and I will be writing an article on the Geminids in the next day or two and have it posted to the ALPO website, so that will be up very shortly. And I will add that link as well. Outstanding. All right, Bob. Clear skies, everyone. This is fun. Thank you for coming on. And keep warm. (laughs) Yes. (laughs)
0: Well, that'll do it for this episode of the Observer's Notebook Podcast. I again, want to thank Bob Lunsford for coming on and talking about the upcoming meteor showers, including the Geminides, which sounds like it's going to be a lot of fun. Please get out there and observe. And if you do, send a short report to Bob. Let him know that you observed it and what you saw. We upload a new episode of the Observer, Observer's Notebook every few weeks. You can subscribe to us on iTunes. If you do, please rate and review us. It really means a lot. You can also listen to us on Apple Radio, iHeartRadio, SoundCloud, Spreaker, Google Play, Stitcher, and that little black box that listens to every word you say in your house, the Amazon Echo. You can help support the podcast by donating to it via Patreon by giving up to $35 a month where you receive one year's membership to the Alpo and producer credits on the podcast. And with that, I'd like to thank the producers of this podcast, Steve Seedentop and Michael Moyer for their generous support of the Observer's Notebook. Thank you very much, gentlemen. I really appreciate it. The link for Patreon, as well as the link for the Alpo, is in the show notes. And if you'd like to get a hold of me, you can via email at cometman at cometman.net, or you can also follow me on Twitter at at ObserversNBPod. Until next time, my hope is you'll always have clear and steady skies. Thanks for listening, and please stay healthy, my friends.